Help us keep community radio strong in Mendocino County. Visit our website at kzyx.org and use the donate button. Send a check to P.O. Box 1, Philo, California, 95466. Or call the office at 707-895-2324 during business hours and press extension 5. Thank you gifts are available, including new 100% organic cotton KZYX and Z face masks for a one-time donation of $35. And as always, thank you. It's Friday night. It's 7 o'clock. It's time for the sports phone. Friday night, 7 o'clock, time for another edition of the Sports Phone, the first October edition, spooky Halloween of the Sports Phone, uh, here on KZYX. Jerry in Portland, Jim in the Philo studio. Jim, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Jerry. I miss him. I don't even know what number, what number, (laughs) what number uh, Sports Phone this is. It was our first thing. McCarthy told us it was our 100th or our 102nd. I don't even know. I would like one of us to do the research and find out what number sports phone this is by next week. I think that's going to end up falling on my plate. I have a feeling, but we'll uh, we'll figure it out. I'll try to get a number. I'll ballpark it. I'll I do get something. I, I do want to add. I, I still want to give this first thirty seconds or a minute in, in in memory of Paul McCarthy, MSP, who did so much for local sports. Our show last week was pretty much dedicated. Well, we didn't we didn't dedicate it. The listeners dedicated it by calling. Giving us their uh, McCarthy stories, what, what, why he made their life easier in high school sports and, um, and, and such. And uh, I, I want to add in the quiet drive that we're, we're making a call for Paul, um, that you can call and donate in honor of Paul if he helped you with local live sports as a parent, as a coach, whatever. So that's part of the quiet drive. I'd like to see a call for Paul, and I'd like to, um, I do want to add callers one more time. Um, If you weren't with us last week and you're realizing how much your life has changed without MSP doing live sports, um, not that there's been a lot of them lately. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, enough. um, um, You're welcome to call and do a call Mm -hmm. for Paul and tell us your story about McCarthy. So anyway, um, that's all I wanted to say about him. I, I think I'm going to have to say something about Paul until I get used to him not being here, Jer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I, I agree with everything you just said. So as Jim said, if you have if you didn't have a chance last week and you have any stories or, or memories about how you, your experiences with Mendocino Sports Plus or Paul McCarthy, uh, feel free to give us a call and we can talk about that uh, at, at you know whatever is on your mind. Uh, th- this is one of my favorite things to do on the show, Jim, and I have absolutely no idea why I get so much pleasure out of this. 
but I love giving this disclaimer at the beginning of shows when it's happening. For our listeners, Jim is currently taping game two of the NBA Finals between the Lakers and the Miami Heat. So if you are calling to talk about sports tonight, please do not mention the score of the game. Don't mention who's on the court. Don't mention what the commentators have been talking about. He wants to know absolutely nothing that is going on in game two of the NBA finals between the Lakers and Heat because he's going to watch it. He's going to speed out of the studio as soon as we're done here to go watch that game. So please do not call with any comments on the ongoing uh, activities of game two of the NBA finals. I I watched Stephen A. Smith, who I know is not your favorite, but he he's, can be pretty entertaining. Sometimes he's <clears> accurate. And I watched him on ESPN after game one, you know, with the injuries, with the blowout of the Lakers. Uh, by the way, if, if you aren't following, the Lakers absolutely blew out the Heat in game one. Uh, this, the game way, way much more of a blowout than the score showed. And Stephen A. Smith just basically said, I fear that this isn't going to be close. I'm a competitor. <laughs> I want it to be close, but I fear the, this is one team that is way superior to the other. So with that, um, we'll with see. that, we're going to stop talking about. It. Okay, good, good. Yeah, I can talk about the Lakers. I just don't want to know about tonight's game. I don't. I don't think those two things can be separated. But give us a call if you want to talk about sports. This is the Sports Phone. This is an open forum sports talk show. Uh, we're here to simply talk about what is whatever's going on in the world of sports. Uh, we want to hear about it. We want to talk about it. Uh, you are the listeners. You drive this show. Uh, so whatever is on your mind going on in the world of sports, uh, let us know. Give us a call. We'll talk about it with you. 707-895-2448. 707-895-2448. Give us a ring. We can talk about sports. That's what we're here for. We want to do it. We want to talk about sports. If we don't have any calls at the moment, we are going to dive into the show here, and we're going to start with one of my favorite segments. We're going to take a little look back on this day in sports. Oh, uh, and Jim, fun. I had one, unless you wanted to go first. I'll go first. Okay. I, I don't know why. Oh, yeah. you, you know, what we're learning about this day in sports, again, I, I want to do it at the beginning every week because it was McCarthy's thing. He, he was yep. the first yep. one to do it. And uh, honestly, do you think it's appropriate to, oh, there's a call right now, appropriate to to have a McCarthy sound alike, or is it too soon for that? No, I thought I think it's way too soon for that. All right. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Hey, I hate to interrupt, uh, but I just put my radio on. I'm pulled over to the side of the road here. It's Mick. And yeah. so I want to say that I'm pulling for LeBron James to win a championship. Why? Why? The same reason I wanted Michael Jordan to keep winning, and the same reason we... Sort of, some of us like to see Tiger Woods keep winning. Yeah, it's kind of a, an historical oh event and quality performances. I really appreciate. And the guy's thirty six years old, so uh, I'm supporting him. And I'm saying, you know, the A's. I hope they go all the way through, but it's a long shot. Anyway, hey, anyway, they got out, the A's got out of the first round for the first time I think in a while. Right, it's the first time since like early two thousands, if I remember reading long correctly. Time. Yeah. So, and, Mick. Uh, so, so, thanks, yeah. So, Mick, tell me. So, you sounded so much like me. I like perfection. In in, I like the Tiger Woods. I like the Federer. I like the the LeBron. Right. So you gotta be a an Abdul Abdul Jabbar fan too. Um. You know, I like Magic Johnson a lot more than huh. Abdul Jabbar. Huh. 
Uh, I grew up with the Boston Celtics uh, winning year after year. Sam Jones, oh, Casey wow. Jones, Bill Russell, and wow. Bill Charman was my favorite guy. He was the best free throw shooter. Really? So I'm a big Warrior fan. It's a sad story that Iguodala was uh, let go. Yeah. Now my wife won't watch any Warrior games and because of that. He was... She loves Iguodala. So we have next season to think about the Warriors. I, I have no idea how they're going to do. Need, I'm excited to, 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 to watch the Warriors next to. year with kind of like a chance to integrate all the new pieces, to have Clay healthy, to have Steph healthy. I, I think right. they're going to be good. I, I, I just think they're too well-coached and they're too organized. They have a structure. I'm really excited to watch them play next year. I think if, if someone like Andrew Wiggins, who's overall been a disappointment in the NBA in his career, I think for a number one pick – the opportunity for someone like that to kind of reinvent himself playing with people like Steph and Clay Thompson, I think the Warriors are going to be a load of fun to watch next year. Well, let's hope there's, let's hope there's a season. <laughs> that too, might yes. Have to, <laughs> in a bubble or something. I, I actually, I, I agree with you they're going to be fun. I mean, as much as I love to see the Warriors lose, I'm the opposite. That's one thing we have different, Mick, is is I, I like watching the Warriors so much. I found that I, I like rooting against a team just as much as I like rooting for the <laughs> Lakers. I It doesn't matter who the Warriors play. I'm always voting for the other team. So I, I really enjoy that kind of that, that kind of competition. But, but from a basketball standpoint, I think the Warriors – are going to be good, but we're talking about the West here, and I'm guessing good for the Warriors next year in a rebuilding year is going to be fifth or sixth. I'm sorry, yeah. but that that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, no, I can see that happening. And uh, I'm going to get off the phone now, Alrighty. and I'm going to listen to you guys as I drive back to Albion. Oh, thank so you so much. Keep up the good work, oh. and uh, go, uh, go teams. Great. <laughs> thank okay, you. Thank you. Oh, Bye-bye. Yeah, it, it was funny, Jim. He mentioned a little bit about how he's just he enjoys watching LeBron, and I think that's one of the things that has been talked about a ton. This playoff run is just the longevity of his career, and how obviously his game has changed from his first year into seventeen years later. But how he's still this dominant seventeen years later is is what's so remarkable about watching him. You're on the sports phone live. Hi there. Well, I have a new hero. A new hero. A new hero. My new hero is Anthony Davis on the Lakers. He is just so amazing as an athlete, and he's such a beautiful guy. I love just looking at him. And um, I think the combination of him and LeBron, I mean, you just can't beat it. They're so good together. It's, (laughs) It's pretty special. Got yeah. an, got another call. We'll get back to you. Okay. Bye. Call you're on the air. Hello, call you're on the air. Hey. Hello, you're there. Start talking. Try again, caller. Oh, to be. Um, it, it's it's funny, Jerry. The, the the Anthony Anthony Davis praise. Mm-hmm. You know me well enough. Is I did not see it coming. I knew. Oh, yeah. I knew yeah. he was good. I knew you told me he was good, but I, I had no idea. Hello, hello, hello caller. You're on the air. He was good. I knew you told me he. Hello, you there? Yes, 
speaking about athletes with longevity, are any of you pulling for Nadal to win his 13th French Open? Oh, boy, Jared, let you take the tennis call. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I don't know the most about tennis. I will say what I have always appreciated, and one of the things I, I learned in the little I watch about tennis is how the French Open is a very unique tournament in that I, it took me a little while to appreciate how how different the material they play on, being clay as opposed to a hard court or grass, and how there are clay court specialists. So I, what I would say about looping this back to Nadal, if I remember correctly, he kind of had that reputation a little bit at one point. So I, I am always a fan of if, if, the, if someone that's clearly the best at something is going for another win in that type of tournament. So from that sense, if I'm remembering that he was kind of a clay court specialist to begin his career, I love to see people perform in kind of their home that they are the most comfortable. A uh, caller, and it's especially hard this year because it's played at a time of year when it's cold, and he's a specialist when it's hot. Huh. So oh, interesting. I, thought, finals, so I, I imagine that does that change the harder for him? Does that change the condition of the clay itself, where it responds differently Evidently. than it would when it was hot? And, and the, the weight of the ball and how fast it goes through the air. Before before we move off tennis, uh, just tell me, what will a win in this major, what record is, is he breaking a French Open record or a total? He did, has did, the French Open record. So what is it he's Nobody else for? has won 12. All right, so, so this one is just adding to his own record. Correct. Where does he stand in total majors with Federer? He's still behind him, I believe, but I, I can't say for okay. sure. All right. And I, I, I assume he's still in it? He's still in it. Yeah. And Djokovic will be his competition probably. Right. And he's number one in the world, so it could be a good final if they both get there. Huh. Well, that's it for me. Thanks Thank for the, you. Thanks for the tennis update. You know, Jerry, now that you asked about it, and a caller, give a call back. Uh, someone was trying to get in there, but hey, how often do we get a tennis, you know, <laughs> tennis person? Um, I was thinking about it when you were talking to the caller, and um, just think if they played basketball, like one slippery court, one fast court, one slow court. That's a pretty unique situation. Uh, let's go ahead and just ask ask the question this way, because I think there's a, there's a more specific question. And give us a call back, 707-895-2448, if you want to talk about we've got, sports. We've got one now. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Can you hear me this time? Oh, yeah. Yes. Couldn't hear uh, Okay, good, good. Jer Jerry, finish that thought. I want to hear that thought, because I well, love I, I your, your thought, Jim, of the clay court, grass court, cement, basketball. I love it. <laughs> yeah, the most direct basketball comparison is, did you – notice a difference or have to change your play style playing outside on blacktop as compared to playing in a gym you're asking me yes yeah yeah i spent yeah. i spent more if i had to add up all my basketball hours i spent is uh it's close to indoor versus outdoor just because of how many games we played in the summers outdoor and I, I, I can't give you a number, but now, but I don't think I changed much. I really don't. I don't remember yeah. saying I can or can't do this because I was on concrete. What about you, Vince? The, the only thing I would ever say that was different was the, the occasional double rim on an outdoor court. 
was a little <laughs> bit different. But that that's that's just changing it up completely. And the backboard is usually a different material indoors to outdoors. So that that was the only thing. But outside of that, no, I didn't dribble different. I didn't shoot different. I didn't move differently. Um, I I will say I did prefer playing uh, outdoors uh, over indoors. I'd love good good outside ball. It was just my favorite for sure. So you're the California kids like you. You you didn't play that. It's funny. The, the conditions were better for you. I was shoveling off snow and throwing salt yeah. down on ice. But you, yeah. you played most of your basketball indoor, didn't you? I did, yeah. The majority of my basketball was played indoors. And I, I don't know if this is me trying to come up with something that, that isn't real. I, I could totally be making this up. But something in the back of my brain is making me think that I always felt like I had more sure footing indoors than outdoors in terms of just the the traction of the court I thought was yeah. all but but at the same time though a dusty hardwood basketball court inside is just as slippery as bad blacktop so I, I think exactly. I'm trying to like come up with something but I think no. I, overall I think you're right that there isn't much I think difference. the biggest thing Jerry too would be a windy day outdoors yes. it's yes. terrible when indoors you never have to worry about the wind affecting your shot like that would always be a factor it was like okay it's a little bit windy today so you literally have to adjust to that somewhat hey, that would be the biggest thing outside of the the, the court itself and when you wanted to I win when you wanted to win and you didn't want to have to sit down that's that's one of the big differences of all my oh, outdoor street absolutely. play absolutely uh, yeah. You had to adjust your game because when the wind was blowing, the game become much, much, much more physical, much more physical because people weren't shooting outside shots. Yeah. So I, I, I wanted to. I called because of the uh, you guys kind of opened with the NBA Finals there, um, and I do love the fact that I was able to catch that lady talk about tennis because you know Nadal. He, you got to rank him up there with Federer as, as, as two of the best ever. I mean, you know, he's definitely proven himself in the clay court mostly. But he's a pretty solid tennis uh, player for sure. But I, I wanted to you know, chime in on the NBA Finals, um, which is a bummer. I'm, I'm kind of disappointed. I feel like the, the Finals are kind of a, a cobs wall up compared to the rest of the, the bubble that we got to witness where I felt like we watched some really good basketball. And we're just not going to see – we're going to see four blowouts, I think. I don't, I don't think the Heat have a chance, especially with the you know, Adebayo and, and Drogic going out. I just don't see how they can compete with this very well-stacked Lakers team. The only reason I'm happy to see the Heat in, and Jim, I think you'll like this, is did either of you know that this is the sixth consecutive decade that Pat Riley has been in the NBA Finals? Yes. Yes, Vince. I'm I'm amazed how much you you guys think alike. Jerry just told me that. Vince, I told him about this a couple of days ago. And my favorite part about it, so, so for people that don't know, uh, Pat Riley is – oh, I feel bad that I don't have this at the tip of my tongue. Pat Riley, I believe, is the general manager now of the Miami Heat. If I, yeah, he has been for I'm a correct. long time now. President, general manager, something like that. Right, right. He's, he's, he's in the front office. And so, Vince, what I was going to say about this was my favorite thing about this little nugget is he's, it's as a, not as just a front office person. It's as a player, a coach, yep. and a front yep. office person. He's, he's run the gamut and been in the finals yep. in every – role that you can have yes. in a basketball program. Yep. He is indubitably the most uh, highly touted presence in basketball history. I don't know if he made a huge impact as a player, but coach and uh, you know, a front office person, he obviously knows the game and absolutely knows how to scout players and put the right people in the right place. And 
you got to give him credit to be in the league. Hey, to be in the league this long and participate in some you know way, shape, or form, but to constantly be at the upper echelon for since the '70s, it's it's it's, it's pretty awesome. Seven zero seven. Eight nine five two four four eight. We had, we had a few calls. Try to get back in. Um, we'll take other other calls. Um, that, that was one of the best discussions about the NBA we've had in a, in a long time. I think. Um, yeah, definitely. I got definitely. another call, Vince. We have some interesting topics coming up that I wanted to bounce off you. But let's couple more calls and yeah. talk to you in a little you bit. Got it. Thanks, Vince. Hello, call. You're on the air. Um, you guys are talking about all-time greats. Um, yeah. I think you got to throw Kelly Slater in that group. Um, mm-hmm. He's been, in his field, one of the most dominant players of all time. Huh. Um, and then going back to the basketball, I kind of would like to know what your guys' input. What do you think the Warriors should do with their number two pit? Um, and also, have you guys heard or think anything about Paul George maybe going to the net. What? Okay, so let's let's go. That's one the by first one I've heard this. that. <laughs> let's. I, I I don't want to let this one get lost in the shuffle. I want to quickly kind of comment on the Kelly Slater part because I think it's a great comment and it's a name that I don't really think about a lot. And the reason I wanted to comment on was Jim spent a lot of time in Hawaii, and so he grew up around big wave surfing, but. Yeah. The competitive surfing scene, like the, in, in the type of competitive surfing that Kelly Slater did, is just such a different sport than big wave surfing. Well, so I, I just wanted to quickly get that comment now, out. But, and, and Jim, if you had anything to add to that, go over it, and then we can shift these NBA. Wave tour, um, and that, that's just a whole different network and a whole different group. Right, right. Yeah, the, the, um, the, the kind of surfing um, Kelly Slater did is you're being judged for how you surf. You're not just surfing the biggest wave you can surf. It's a whole different sport, really. Um, The big wave surfing is also actually judged on crucial levels. There is similar criteria between some of the big wave judging um, and the small wave. Yeah, what it comes down to is we're talking about um, crucial sections of the wave, how you're riding the wave depends on not just the maneuvers you make, but the difficulty of the section of the wave. So when it comes down to big wave surfing, a wave like Chopu, which is just a much thicker lip, does hold a little more impact. You can get a little more points out of a crazy big barrel than you can out of Jeff's size. So tell me, caller, compare Kelly Slater as dominant in his day as Tiger Woods and Roger Federer and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, are we at that level? No, uh, not, not um, as, as far as I understand, we're talking about a lot more. I more mean, we're, so. We're talking, I think, like 10 world titles or something like that. Oh, wow. Um, I think out of, out of, what, like 30-something years. As far as I understand, we're talking about potentially the most dominant athlete in, a in history. Sport. I'm a little bit, I'm not an expert huh. on, you know, that at all, but I've heard that thrown out there before. That's so he was he was an eleven time world champion and won it five consecutive years between nineteen ninety four and nineteen ninety eight. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's impressive. Now to shift to the the Warriors questions because uh, I, I think we definitely want to talk about these. I'm old school. I say I say they they need a big. Um, I've heard a little bit of talk about them talking to the Magic about getting Aaron Gordon, who's definitely not a big, but pretty explosive. Um, yeah, 
But I, I'm honestly, I'm just, I don't know who, like, I miss Bogut. I totally do. You know, like, Bogut had those screens. And, I mean, honestly, I kind of loved how slow Bogut was, too, in a way that he was that different for us. Yeah. Um, but I just, I don't know. I, I'm also not the best scout, so I don't know Wiseman that well. Um, but I don't know who we really have as options for that. Well, and that's where this gets complicated, right? Is it, it's a, it's almost next to impossible to think about. Oh, like trading the pick. I think that's that's just getting so complicated with trying to figure out what a team should do with a draft, unless it's like a clear situation where they should do it. But in terms of like, if you look at their roster, the glaring thing that's missing is a big man. Now, the question sure. with that is, is like, do they want a traditional big man? Do right. do they want to go that route? I will say to agree with you, caller. The Warriors have been at their best when they've had a a, a traditional, or not necessarily traditional, but a big man. Well, that's we gotta have somebody that can set some serious screens if we really want to exactly. play Curry ball. Exactly, that's yep. true. And yep. and and um, I, I know really I, feel I, that I, the screens are actually more important than the rebounding um, or the block protection. I mean, when we've really been balling, we just outscore people more than. I mean, we play man on man defense. But we've never been somebody to really, you know, protect the rim massively. Yeah. Mm. All I, right. I well, think- that's, that's, this is more uh, basketball, NBA basketball, than we've <laughs> covered in a long time. I, I can't believe that I heard from a caller, Jerry, anything about Paul George, George going anywhere. How come you didn't tell me? I, well, I didn't know about it. I I, 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 I didn't know about this one. No, I'll say this about, on about any rumor of Paul George going to the him. Nets. If you want to take a group of maybe the three most, like, unreliable, semi-kind of dysfunctional superstars and throw them on a team together in Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and Paul George, I say go I was wondering, I'm like, can these people get along? I feel a little sorry for DeAndre Jordan. Oh, jeez. All right, thank you so much for that call. That The, the Kelly Slater... The Kelly Slater, Jerry, the Kelly Slater stuff was priceless. Uh-huh. I had no idea that someone was that dominant in a professional sport. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's really interesting to see. He pops up on interviews about big wave surfing every now and then, like in documentaries and stuff. He'll pop up, and it's just really interesting to hear his perspective and hear him talk about, like, I could never do this kind of thing. You, oh, I, I was going to say, I'll bet you he's been in some pretty big waves. Hello, call. You're on the air. Hi, Jim and Jerry. This is Burton. Oh, so Burton, how's thought, it going? Thought we lost you there, Burton. It's good yeah. to well, hear you know, voice. I mean, you've been talking. Last week you were talking about McCarthy. I know. You know, and like, <laughs> I don't have a McCarthy story that's really relevant. I mean, when I first start, I first became acquainted with McCarthy by listening to your show. And you at did... first I thought, well, this guy's very enthusiastic and maybe a little <laughs> bit annoying. But like after the third time, I just went, this guy is full of so much information and enthusiasm. And he was also... You know, substituting over into the COVID report I know. because there was so much less sports, and he was doing it really well. He Do was you doing realize? It, like, I listened to all the COVID reports on the afternoon, and he was doing it from a layman's point of view in a very astute fashion. I really admired that a lot. I'll tell you one thing, Burton, and I'll let you get your, your point in. You're going to miss Paul McCarthy when your kid gets into high school sports and, and he, they, they can't go to Covalo. To, you can't go to Covalo to watch a game. McCarthy used to right. go and put it live for you. <laughs> gotcha. gotcha. So, so anyway, yeah. Um, I wanted to just inquire in this indoor outdoor sports thing that you guys were 
probably going to move on from about now. Yeah. And that is, uh, see, I'm not a jock. I, I, I've played things inside. I've played things outside. But I've got more experience inside, outside. I can compare playing music. Oh. And I didn't notice it right at first. But after a while, I noticed that playing out, outside was always more fun unless the weather was really screwed up. But no matter how the weather was going when I had a gig outside or what band I was playing with, I mean, the bigger bands are more demanding on a bass player, but I found afterwards that playing outdoors, as much as it felt better to do that, it also took more energy. So I'm wondering if afterwards, after a game inside as opposed to after a game outside, we're... You know, can you say that it took more energy to be indoors or outdoors, or does it have more to do with other factors? I I have an immediate thought. Jim, go ahead if you have anything. Uh, Real quick, it's an interesting one, Burton, because at first I was was totally with you in that it's – there's some comparison there with indoors, you've got walls, you've got – you can hear things, things are bouncing off, everything's closer, it's loud. everything's more consistent, um, you have less interruptions, all that kind of stuff, it's loud. Um, but I, I, I never, I can't say anything about the energy. I, 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 I was just as tired playing indoor as outdoor. So, so here would be my answer to that. And again, this might be a little bit of a stretch, but I, I, this is how I can relate to, to Burton's question, in that... In my experience, when you're playing outside, my experience with outside bas- outside basketball is pick up basketball that you're playing for an undetermined amount of time. You're just out there playing, and it just kind of keeps going until you're done. So you're playing for longer, hmm. whereas in my experience with indoor basketball, I'm it's playing a game. It's, a, it's an organized high school game. Yeah. It's a college game. Right. It's whatever. And you're playing for 90 minutes, and then you're done. So... This is probably different than a, than a concert, but I would say that in my experience, I'm playing for longer when I'm outside, so I've exerted more energy, and maybe I'd be a little bit more tired. I, I think that's the only comparison I can make of being more tired playing outside than inside. Well, we're, we're right. really so you're really not compare them that accurately. But I was wondering if, like, being outside, I found to be more exhilarating, more fun, and I was able to put more out without even noticing is what I figured I was doing. Whereas I would think that playing outdoors would also be more fun and you might do the same thing but on the other hand it seems like being indoors you don't even need a crowd you get you know a, a bunch of people playing basketball inside the gym yeah, the, the high school gym on a, on an evening and stuff and just like so loud just hearing the basketballs reverberating yeah. that i would wonder if being indoors would take more energy because you are bombarded by so much more on a sensory way just from the sound and the brighter light. This is the most intense conversation I've ever had. I'm I'm putting I'm tabling this one. Uh, okay. Well, I actually, actually I, I, no. I, I just wait. wanted to throw something at you on that. On that. It's a great topic. question. It's I, I just an don't unbelievable. Think either one of us have a great answer for it. Unbelievable comparison. Seven zero seven. Hang on there, Burton. Seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. Whoever's trying I mean, to get in, try again. We are stuck here. Let me take this call on indoor thanks, outdoor music versus basketball comparisons. Hello, call. You're on the air. Hey, uh, yeah. Couple couple of things. Susan Butcher on the Iditarod. 
in the late 80s and 90s talking about somebody who dominated a sport, not only dominated a sport, but was a sport that was dominated by men. Susan Butcher and the Iditarod. What sport? Uh, the Iditarod. Iditarod. Oh, oh. The Iditarod. Talk about endurance. And, yeah, I actually was fortunate enough to work as a volunteer handler for, for a little while. But uh, what I was really calling was, you guys get into your talking about the surfaces. And, you know, it's I noticed in the 49er game about it's the high ankle sprain and the knee sprains because artificial turf doesn't give like grass does. Um, they The hybrid turf uh, grass stuff they have is actually mesh, so if you're not careful, you can get a plate stuck in it. Um, the surfaces on grass, the football bounces differently the the uh, uh, people have a different you know are able to stop and move differently um, that's part of the home field advantage thing the 49ers tore out their astroturf and what was left was a huge concrete pool and it happened to be 10 feet below sea level so when there was a high tide that's why Frank Gore did as well as he did with the 49ers because he was a mudder runner. <laughs> so they really liked it when they played afternoon games and the tide came in. Um, huh, on baseball, baseball, AstroTurf, and well, it's actually that way in all sports, but baseball particularly because it's in the summer. AstroTurf is a good 15 to 25 degrees hotter than huh. regular grass. Um, St. Louis used to turn the air conditioning down in the visitors' Uh, locker room, so it was like 68 degrees, so then when they went out in the field, it was 90-something degrees and would get blasted by the heat, and they get worn out. Baseball on AstroTurf, the third bounce, oftentimes that ball speeds up, and it makes a weird angle move. So if you really start paying attention, and you start watching games on AstroTurf, you'll notice that the infielders really have a hard time with that third bounce. You know, so there again, those are, you know, yeah, there is subtle differences if you pay attention. Uh, there's a subtle difference playing outside basketball, what little I did, between uh, blacktop and concrete. Well, you this know, is, there's, this is, uh... there really is, there is, so there is, there is something to that. Um, and to actually talk about home field advantage, even though I know the appropriate police don't like him, Bill Cosby has a great gig on, on basketball and home field advantage. You probably like it, Jim, because you play back east. Oh, yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, you know, so there is there is a difference in, if this was that guy, by the way, there are different differences in surfaces. And, you know, that's why they do what they do. But AstroTurf is very dangerous, and it causes a lot of injuries, um, some of them career-ending simply because it's cheaper to maintain AstroTurf than to play outside and, and maintain grass. That's so, for sure. There you go. I, uh, Thank you there, for the call. Yeah. All right, man, you guys have a good one. Fact Bye. Man, fact man, you're always welcome on the show. Chair, what is going on here? We, we, we get one woman that calls the first minute of the show, mentions something about clay courts on tennis, and all of a sudden Burton's comparing indoor and outdoor music to basketball. Hey, fact what man, happened? What happened? I love it. It's unbelievable. What, what I was going to say for Fat Guy was I, I remember the 
the the astroturf grass thing really came to a head. I think it was the it was either the last women's World Cup or the one before that when the the women's teams kind of like freak didn't like I don't know if freaked out is the right word, but really kind of got on FIFA about like you're letting the men play all their games. Oh, on grass right. boards, oh, on grass right. fields, and the and you're making the entire women's cup be played on on turf, and that got into the whole controversy of how dangerous turf is compared to grass. Caller, you're on the wow. air. Wow, that that was a great great couple conversations right there. I I can't yeah. believe where we've gone here. We're going uh, we we've gone from the French Open with with clay courts to indoor outdoor basketball to indoor outdoor music versus basketball <laughs> to, to Kelly Slater and 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 by the way before I let you guys talk about something useful what is this Iditarod oh the Iditarod I was wondering if you were going to ask about that it's it's dog sled racing oh oh that's right that's right yeah. Vince yeah. Are, are you are you joining in or you you uh, are Ooh. you bringing something to us I, I love this. No, I'm gonna, I want to continue with what we got going here. This is, this is fantastic because I want to make sure that the, the question you asked earlier about did our games change at all indoors, outdoor, I, I said no, but the, the courts are totally different. I feel so much better after playing indoor because my knees aren't bothering me and I'm not maybe falling down and scraping my knee open on a you know hard cement ground. So obviously the, the, the texture and everything is different. Um, and I want to say uh, to the last caller, like the, the Chicago Cubs were are well known for keeping their infield grass thicker than most other ballparks to slow huh. the ball down uh, for their infielders. So that that was a uh, the, the guy was mentioning home home field advantage, what you can do. Um, and I also want to talk about the the new kinds of astroturf. Um, you know, you've been to St. Helena and other places here in California where they have the I, I want to say it's like broken down tires or rubber or whatever. Like the, the, the AstroTurf's not right. cement anymore. It's like artificial grass, but it has those soft pieces of rubber. Have you seen that, Jerry? Have you been to a field with that kind of uh, AstroTurf? No, I, I actually I have not been in a at a high school venue for a sport in a long time. I, I that's yeah, I haven't seen that one in a while yet. You got to remember, yeah, we're, pretty, we're throwing yeah. away, we're throwing around this term. Because it's like saying Kleenex instead of tissue paper here. Um, AstroTurf, you're using it as a catch-all for anything that's not grass and that's indoors or outdoors, I think. Whereas AstroTurf was the first indoor surface in the AstroDome. Everyone agrees with that, right? Right, right, from Houston. So, yeah. so that has changed, and I know for a fact the injuries... It's become more and more safe as it's changed from year to year. So it's not the same as it used to be. No, it's, it's totally different. It's actually supposed to mimic natural turf more now with the softer feel, the easier grip. The biggest issues I've heard, and we, I've heard them re, you know, locally here with the football field in St. Helena, is the rubber. When you fall on it with your skin, the rubber can irritate your skin and sometimes even embed in your skin um and that's caused issues for for some of the the high school players over there and they, they've they've that's come up a few times uh so that and i've also coached track over there in the middle of late spring early summer and that black rubber and that, that you talk about hot that stuff gets ridiculous you know bringing this back for a second chair I, th th this 
I'm going to sort of bring this 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 back for a second. There's so many different levels. Like we're comparing indoor and outdoor basketball, but once you get indoor in basketball, oh, it's perfect. It's pretty much all the same. Yeah, it's like teeing up a ball in a driving range. Yeah, that's true. So you know, if you, I, I, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. I can't let Jim get away with this when he kind of goes off on his theories and ideas that he doesn't have any proof or, or evidence of. All right. Um, Let me hear it. So I got, I got to call you on this one. When you said recently uh, there, the injury rate between turf and grass oh, has gotten less. It's not. That might be true, but I, I don't know what you're defining as it's gotten better because as of 2012, a study by the American Journal of Sports Medicine determined that knee injuries are 40% more likely to occur on artificial turf than they are on grass. So I, I guess I guess a more accurate thing was, are there less knee injuries on what we're calling AstroTurf now than there were 20 years ago? So again, I think that's where it goes to. There might be less, but if you're comparing it to grass, okay. it's still not good. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right. Well, good, I, just good to to that. That. I, I want to chime in on the Warriors. Oh, you go, you go right ahead. <laughs> well, you guys are talking all that stuff, and I and I, I will say I did not hear about the, the Paul George to the Nets yet myself, so that would be an interesting one. But it's so, um, you know, I find it interesting, and I get confounded when people start talking about, oh, what, what are they going to be like next year? There's there's so many good free agents that are getting ready to be available. There's, there's a draft coming up, and the Warriors have the number two pick, which they can easily trade away to grab a, a solid, you know, sign-and-trade type of deal for uh, uh, Giannis from Milwaukee. I mean, Giannis is a free agent, so I think they could just sign him. Uh, there's so many things. And, Jim, you're right. They need a, a big, but I don't think they need a big that's like a, a Anthony Davis-style big. But Michael Jordan didn't win six titles with a, a dominant center. He had a Dennis Rodman and a Horace Grant, who basically were there to rebound, score occasionally, more Grant than, than, than Rodman. Rodman was there to also be a, a good defender. They just need a solid big. Didn't they always win and protect Did, the rim, and that's it. They it, could easily grab that with the number two pick or in free agency. The Warriors could be a dangerous team next year and not just good. I think they could be dangerous if they do the offseason correctly. But you don't. Go ahead, Jim. Well, I was going to say you don't draft Horace Grant with the you don't with the number two pick, right? You don't draft the guy that you want to get you ten points and ten rebounds a game with the number two pick. You you don't. You You don't. You sign Montrez Harrell if you want that. Exactly. There's a difference there. Just want to be clear clear about that distinction. You know, I I know you, you. You guys are way better with details than me, and you're faster with Google than me. But I, there was never a year when Jordan didn't have a traditional big Vince. He oh, always okay, had so one. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, gonna not, go, I'm, I'm not saying dominant. No, hold on, Jim. I'm going to go through the list for you here. Bill Wellington. Luke Longley. Um, uh, Bruce Cartwright. Right. Or Bill Cartwright. Bill Those Cartwright. were his centers. Those were not traditional dominant centers. And he played in an era where you had a Patrick Ewing, a Hakeem Olajuwon, a, a Jabbar. He played in the era of centers. And he never had a real good center. He had I a never, guy who could set I a never, pick and grab a rebound. I never said good center. I said <laughs> a traditional style center. Those yeah. guys played with their back to the basket. They set mm-hmm. good screens. They were seven feet tall. They couldn't move very fast. 
but they played that role of a traditional yeah. big. I'm just I'm not saying they were as good as Chamberlain or Jabbar, but he always had. You're saying he yeah. never had a big. I'm saying he always had a big. I'm saying he never had a like right now. LeBron's loving having an Anthony Davis, of course, somebody he can throw the ball to, who can score, who can do all of it. I'm saying Jordan never had that, and I'm saying the Warriors don't need to have that. They just right. need somebody who can basically complement Draymond Green down below and let Curry Thompson and whoever they draft the number two pick, because you're right, Jerry, they're going to draft somebody who's a playmaker, not a 10-10 uh, and 10 guy for sure. So, uh, yes, we're on the same page here. I just feel like... I actually think we are know, now. Yeah. I, I yeah. think the name, I mean, if we're really going to go down this road, and, and I... Vince, you know me well, and I've talked about this with the NFL, but I I cannot stand a lot of draft speculation and draft because it's just oh. I think drafts are unpredictable to a certain extent. Um, I hate it. Yeah. What what I was gonna say was I think the player that might be the most intriguing because he's gonna be there is is the young is the new ball, uh, Lamelo Ball. Six uh, eight has dominated in Europe. Could be such an interesting fit for the Warriors. Oh, I don't think he'd be a good fit for the Warriors. I think that's a spot where the Warriors have the potential to basically trade back to the three spot or sure. trade up to the one spot and take somebody else. I don't think Ball fits with them. I mean, I think it's intriguing, and he's a different player than, than Lonzo. He's taller. He's more athletic. He could be more of an Andrew Wiggins kind of a slasher scorer type. I, I'm with Jim, though. I think that they need to look at who's the best power forward type guy in the draft who can post up, score when he needs to, and also is going to grab his 12 rebounds and be a dominant rim protector. That's who I think they're going to focus on, but it would be hard for them to pass on uh, LaMelo Ball if he's there because he is the – I think he's better all around than Lonzo as far as scoring goes. 707-895-2448. Somebody going to put this NBA uh, – we, we got Burton trying to put the, the NBA to rest by talking about music versus basketball outdoors. Well, can, can I ask you this really quick? Is he is an amphitheater considered fully outdoors? Like, is that like for music? The idea there, or I'm going with outdoors. I would okay. say that's so outdoor. Then, yeah, yeah. So then I would prefer to be outdoors at an amphitheater than indoors, unless it's a really small kind of like uh, opera style venue that has the perfect sound system. I, I like an amphitheater. I like being outside. I'll take what that. If, what if it has? What if it has an overhang? <laughs> It does, yeah. That's what creates the sound, I think. Like the oh, way no, the but this, so is it still indoor, outdoors, if it has an overhang? It's still outdoors. Okay, yeah, just was checking. Good enough, just was good, checking. Good enough for me. Oh, <laughs> uh, Jerry, goodness. Jerry, we oh. had some interesting comments with, with, with the phone slow right now. They were so busy for so long. Now that they're slow, do we have enough time to bring up uh, this coaching issue we were talking about, or is that table for another? Uh, I mean, we've got we've got 15 minutes. I think we can maybe get into it a little bit, unless we get another call. 707-895-2448. Uh, give us a call if you want to talk about sports. But yeah, Jim, I think we can, we can get into that a little bit. I, I think we have enough time here. So, context for this. Uh, I, I don't know really what sparked this idea to, to have this conversation. Um, it, well, I guess I do. The, the idea I had with the, for this came from Doc Rivers getting – we're still talking basketball. But we're going to expand that, that here. Um, Doc Rivers got fired, uh, who was the head coach of the Clippers, and was immediately picked up and is now the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. And that led to this conversation 
about, oh, well, what does Rivers bring as a coach to the Sixers? How can he, you know, adapt their play style? How can he deal with Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and all this kind of stuff? And it reminded me of a, of a conversation that Jim and I have had quite a bit, and I thought it would be a fun one to have on the air. And, and that conversation is essentially, I'll just let Jim go at this point. Yeah. Jim, you would be a, you would make the argument. It doesn't really matter who's coaching the Sixers because the coach doesn't really matter. Well, I that, that might be a really simplified version it, of what very you, simplified. What you, it, it's and and it's funny that Vince is still on the line here, and yeah, him and I have had this similar conversation multiple multiple times, and I think there is some crossover between professional and coaching boys and girls high school basketball, but what. What relevance? Remember this word. What relevance to the outcome of an individual game does the coach really have? And that's a sort of a loaded question. Um, I think very, and I loved it when you sent this email to me because I thought this topic was perfect, considering the fact that you changed my perspective on that, Jim. I thought the I did. I got to coach with you. I, I, I did, and and what I learned over the years is, and. And again, Jerry, now I started to agree with you more now, or I can't actually, let me, let me just say it. I think the coach has more of a say yeah. in the outcome of a season and an individual game than a high school basketball coach has on the outcome of an individual game or a season. The reason being is there's less variables when, but but again, you got to be careful with this. I'm not saying that a ba- a basketball coach in high school, their job is to get their team to play the best they can. But unless unless the game is close enough for that to matter, the coach won't affect the outcome of the game. They may affect how well their team plays, but it didn't matter how well our team played. We would beat Geyserville no matter what. They could play right. the best game in the world they played. We could play the worst game in the world we played, and we would win. The only time the coach on an individual game became involved with the outcome was if the teams were close enough in talent. So that eliminated half my games. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Vince, go. Uh, uh, so I, this is such a tough one because to me it's a, it's almost a fifty-fifty split. Like as a coach, your your job is to prepare your team for who you're going to play against. Okay, if it's Geyserville, a really good point arena team, or you're playing California School to Death in the playoffs, whatever it is, your job is to prepare your team to play, and then it's your team's job to execute the game plan. So you could be a great coach, and you can strategize, and you can put in the best game plan, but if your team doesn't execute it, you're not winning that game. Prime example, Jim, you put in boxing ones against uh, Trace all the time in Point Arena. And if we didn't execute that boxing one, we didn't win. But because the kids were disciplined and they bought into your coaching, we won those games. So that's a 50-50 split. There were plenty of times where – we would be up a certain amount of points with 55 seconds left, and you would just break down math. And if the kids bought into your math and they just did exactly what you told them they had to do to win, we'd win the game. So it's your strategy, your idea, but they got to go out there and do it. The but, only difference I see in, in the high school level is where you allowed me to do the floor coaching because at our level, especially at D6, our kids needed that rah-rah cheerleader sometimes on the sideline to give them that extra energy to continue to be focused enough to do the game plan. 
NBA players don't need that. You know, I think NBA coaches are great. There's a reason they're there. They come up with the game plans, but if their teams don't execute the game plan, they don't win. Even if they're the better team, they could lose the game. So it's up to the players. So it's a big 50-50, in my opinion, even though I do think the players have a bigger impact on the game. It's a tough one, though. That's a great, great conversation. It could go in so many different angles. Jerry, your thoughts? <laughs> well, yeah, I think one thing we can all agree upon, uh, and by the way, we got about 10 minutes left on the sports phone here. If you want to talk about sports, 707-895-2448, give us a ring and we can talk about sports. Um, what I was going to say was, I think we all can agree that the coach has value, right? We're, at no point are we saying coaches do not have value in sports. It's yep. where does their value come into play the most? Where are they most impactful? And, and my my take on this, I, I heard it best from my college basketball coach, Larry Doty. And he, and he always said it was the coach's role to put the team at all times in meetings, practice, offseason, games, whatever it is. It was the coach's role to put the team in the best position to be successful. And, and that's, again, this is any sport, not just basketball. But after that... After the coach has done his job and has put the players in the in the best position to be successful, all the coach can do is make substitutions and call timeouts, and has yep. no real control out of the, of the on the outcome of the game beyond that. And and I think yep. that goes into what we've talked about, where the players have a m- bigger impact in the outcome of a game on game day than the coach does in preparing them for a game. And and I'm gonna say I, I agree with you, Jerry. But this, um, this at different levels is a lot different because oh, for sure. Because what Vince said is absolutely true too. I know, and again, he brought it up, Point Arena. If 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 um, my good friend Warren Galetti is listening, that that's fine. But we beat Point Arena a few times when they were way better than us because of strategy that that my players bought into. That was the the boxing one Vince was talking about. Even when they knew it was coming. It worked because we bought into it. That's a whole other argument. About well, he, he, here's another good one though for you, and this is where you, you as a coach, can sometimes sit back, relax because you have. And I'm going to stick with the high school here, but we beat Point Arena with Jerry, my 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 one year coaching JV when Jerry was still in high school, a much better Point Arena team because Jerry knew they were undisciplined players. That's and I remember a game where you, you went to the free throw line nine times on and one because they couldn't stop biting on a pump fake. And you just kept feeding them the pump fake because you were coaching on the court as like, I can keep doing this to you because you're going to keep biting and I'm going to keep beating you. And we're going to end up winning this game even though we have no business beating you if you guys really were just playing to your talent level. So as a coach, and, and I'll go to the NBA now, as a coach, there had to be a game here and there where Phil Jackson or Pat Riley or whatever would sit back and be like, well, Michael's going to score 60 tonight. No big deal. Oh, LeBron's going to go you know, 45, 15, and 15. I don't have to do a whole lot because my player just took over the game. And that's, that's only when you have a special player who understands the game. You know, so again, there are times where the coach maybe makes zero impact, but there's also times where the coach makes like a 99% impact. And, and to be also clear about one thing, I think this is also to a certain extent very sport dependent. I think this conversation yeah. shifts a little bit depending on what sport you're talking about. Yeah, where sure. I, I have been convinced yeah. over the years that 
the, the NFL coaching staff and the preparation and adjustments that they do is so much more critical than say on the fly adjustments in basketball or something like that. I, I, have, I think that what sport you're talking about, the coach's ability to impact the result of a game absolutely matters. And it does shift in different ways. Depending Gary, on again, again, in the NFL or football, your job as a coach is to prepare your team, put them in the best position to succeed. It's up to them to succeed. At that point, you're giving it over to them again, even in the NFL. And I do agree that maybe coaching in the NFL is a little bit more involved than the NBA. I don't. I just don't know. I, I don't think so. Actually, I, I'm going to stick with it's all fifty-fifty because you're you're putting the players where they need to be. You're telling them what they need to do, and in that moment, do they do? Do they stay disciplined? Do they stay focused? And can they do it? I don't know, Vince. Yep. The, 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 what Jerry's got going here is with footballs. They've got ten coaches, you know, up there in the top, looking down. They're they're. They're going back and forth literally between plays. They have a lot more time to impact than in a consistent basketball they, game. They I, have, I guess, they have, to, to, they I think I know what Vince is going to say here. Sorry, I want to jump in real quick. Prepare. But even if they can find that little thing they want to adjust and exploit, the players still have to do it. Yeah, you're right. And, yeah, and that's where yeah. it's complicated. I, I don't know. I, 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 Vince has convinced me I could be a little more incorrect on that one than, than I thought. The, the, only, the only sport where I really see it being the most impactful is hockey. If you ever watch hockey, they have like, each team has four lines and they can rotate. And so you can stick with a line longer. So the coach could be, and it, I think it comes down to substitutions and matchups is where the coach makes the biggest impact. And, and that's one of the few sports where you can constantly be rotating people in and out. You know, sure. you really can't do that so much in the NBA. Sometimes you can, you know, if you match your timeouts and dead balls correctly. Um, but you can't really do it in baseball. You really can't do it in football to an extent. You can, but you want your best players on the field. Vince, 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 thanks for your input on everything. We've got to wrap it up. We have some business to take care of. Please call every week. You make our show. Thank you. Thanks, Vince. Oh, you guys are the best. Appreciate it. Well, wow. another hour has come and gone, and uh, I don't know how we got on some of the topics we got on tonight, but it was a jolly time as always. What, what did what – did, what did Click and Clack say all the time? We've wasted another good oh, hour. Oh, yeah. We've, you've, now, you've wasted a perfectly good hour listening to Car Talk. Well, you have wasted a perfectly good hour <laughs> listening to whatever we talked about today here on the Sports Phone. I had a great time. Uh, thanks to everybody that called. Uh, you know, Like I said, you guys are the ones that drive the show. You guys are the ones that pick the topics. We never would have gotten on indoor versus outdoor surfaces if it hadn't been talking about if it hadn't been for talking about the French Open and music venues versus indoor and outdoor music venues, it was great. Uh, I had a really good time. Jim, anything before we wrap it up here? No, I've got, uh, I got about 12 seconds. I'm going to call it a day. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week. Yeah.